Chapter Nine of Bullets and Billets by Bruce Barron's Father. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: Souvenirs, A Ride to Nieppe, Tea at HQ, Trenches Once More. A couple of days after Christmas, we left for billets. These two days were of a very peaceful nature, but not quite so enthusiastically friendly as the day itself. The Germans could be seen moving about in their trenches, and one felt quite at ease sitting on the top of our parapet, or strolling about the fields behind our lines. It was during these two days that I managed to get a German rifle that I had had my eye on for a month. It lay out in the open, near one or two corpses between our trenches and theirs, and until this Christmas truce arrived the locality was not a particularly attractive one to visit. Had I fixed an earlier date for my exploit, the end of it would most probably have been a battered second lieutenant's cap and a rusty revolver hanging up in the Inglenook at Herr someone or other's country home in East Prussia. As it was, I was able to walk out and return with the rifle unmolested. When we left the trenches to go out this time, I took the rifle along with me. After my usual perilous equestrian act, I got back to the transport farm and having performed the usual routine of washing, shaving, eating, and drinking, blossomed forth into our four days' rest again. The weather was splendid. I went out for walks in the fields, rehearsed the machine-gun section in their drill, and conducted cheery sort of squire-of-the-village conversations with the farmer who owned our farm. At this period most of my pals in the regiment used to go into Armentiers, or Bayule, and get a breath of civilized life. I often wished I felt as they did, but I had just the opposite desire. I felt that, to adequately stick out what we were going through, it was necessary for me to keep well in the atmosphere and not to let any exterior influence upset it. I was annoyed at having to take up this line, but somehow or other I had a feeling that I could not run the war business with a spot of civilization in it. Personally, I felt that rather than leave the trenches for our periodic rests, I would sooner have stayed there all the time consecutively, until I could stick it out no longer. During this after-Christmas rest, however, I so far relapsed from these views as to decide to go into Nieppe to get some money from the field cashier. That was my first fall, but my second was even more strange. In a truculent tone I said I would ride. Smith! Go and tell Parker to get my horse ready. It just shows how reckless warfare makes one. A beautiful, fine, still afternoon. I started off. Enormous success. I walked and trotted along past all sorts of wagons, lorries, guns, and dispatch riders. Nearly decided to take up hunting when the time came for me to settle in England once more. However, as I neared the outskirts of Nieppe and saw the flood of interlacing traffic, I decided to leave well alone, to tie this quadruped of mine up at some outlying hostelry, and walk the short remaining distance into the town where the cashier had his office. I found a suitable place, and letting myself down to the ground, strode off with a stiff, bandy-legged action to the office. Having got my one hundred francs all right, I made the best of my short time on earth by walking about and having a good look at the town. A squalid, uninteresting place, Nieppe. A dirty red-brick town with a good sprinkling of factory chimneys and orange peel. Rather the same tone as one of the potteries towns in England. Completing my tour I returned to the horse, and finally, stiff but happy, I glided to the ground in the yard of the transport farm. 
Encouraged by my success, I rode over to dinner one night with one of the companies in the battalion which was in billets about a mile and a half away. Riding home along the flat, winding, waterlogged lane by the light of the stars, I nearly started off on the poetry lines again, but I got home just in time. During these rests from the trenches I was sometimes summoned to brigade headquarters, where the arch-machine-gunner dwelt. He was a captain of much engineering skill who supervised the entire machine-gun outfit of the brigade. New men were being perpetually trained by him, and I was sent for on occasion to discuss the state and strength of my section or any new scheme that might be on hand. This going to brigade headquarters meant putting on a clean bib, as it were, for it was here that the brigadier himself lived, and after a machine-gun seance it was generally necessary to have tea in the farm with the brigade staff. I am little or no use on these social occasions. The red-and-gold-mailed fist of a general staff reduces me to a sort of pulverized state of meekness, which ends in my smiling at everyone and declining anything to eat. As machine-gun officer to our battalion I had to go through it, and as everyone was very nice to me, it all went off satisfactorily. On this time out we were wondering how we should find the Bosch on our return, and pleasant recollections of the time before filled us with a curious keenness to get back and see. A wish like this is easily gratified at the front. And soon, of course, the day came to go into trenches again, and in we went. End of chapter 9 Recording by Philip Gould